Matthew 25, 1-13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. Good evening, everyone. It's great to be with you. Great to be able to share God's word with you. Let's pray that God would give us understanding of his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word is more precious than finest gold. And it is sweeter than honey from the comb. And Lord, by your word, we, your servants, can be kept from sin. And in keeping your word, there is great reward. Lord, we ask, help us to listen to you now. Help us to make in our hearts your word the most precious thing, as well as the sweetest thing. Well, I don't know about you, but I love a good wedding. What's not to love about a good wedding? Everyone looks their best, and the food is free. (laughs) And in the passage we just read, Jesus tells the story of a wedding, a parable about a wedding. Only at this wedding, everything that can go wrong seems to go wrong. The groom is so late, the bridal party falls asleep by the side of the road... When the groom does finally arrive at midnight, and that's the latest I've ever seen a groom arrive at any wedding I've been a part of, half the bridesmaids have forgotten oil and don't have enough for their lamps to light the way. They're not ready to welcome him. And as the story concludes, the unready bridesmaids are standing outside of the door asking for admission, but to no avail. They end up excluded by their own lack of preparation. And there's this awful finality to the story. Uh, There at the end in in verse 10, the door was shut. And it's such a sad and strange ending to what really should be a joyous story, the story of a wedding, the story of a, a wedding banquet, a wedding celebration. I don't know how you felt as you heard that story being read out. I don't know what sort of feelings... Uh, went through your minds and your hearts. But when I read through it, I'm left with a deep sense of unease. And I think it's something that those in Jesus' audience would have felt as well. 
No one likes the idea of being excluded, of being late, particularly from being excluded from an occasion as grand as a wedding banquet. That's pretty bad. But actually, Jesus has said something even worse than that. Because right at the very beginning in verse 1, Jesus said that this is a parable about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that the Lord Jesus Christ was bringing. The kingdom of which all of Jesus' miracles and healings and works of power have been but a taste. And this is the kingdom that Jesus would bring when he returned. And to be excluded from the kingdom of heaven, well, that is a tragedy that is beyond anything we could ever imagine. And yet Jesus is saying in this parable that it is a real possibility if we are not ready. And Jesus has just warned them of this possibility. If you've got your Bibles there, just flip back one page to Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 to 13. I wonder whether these are the words that Jesus himself has just spoken, but I wonder if these are the words that he is thinking about as he tells them the story of the bridesmaids. He says this, he says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. See, the great tragedy of the parable is that there was a time when the foolish girls were ready. There was a time when their lamps burnt bright. There was a time when they were welcoming the groom and and waiting for him to come. But it didn't last. They didn't go the distance. Their light went out and their lamp grew cold. And at the very moment when it counted, when the bridegroom arrived, they weren't ready and they did not stand firm to the end. They did not welcome the groom and so they were not welcome at the banquet. And so this is a parable, I think, about enduring until the very end. This is a parable about lasting as a Christian, about being ready to welcome Jesus when he returns. And so it's also a parable about what we commonly call the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is particularly appropriate, as Simon reminded us already tonight. This is the the season of Advent. It's a season when Christians not just kind of worry about the Christmas gifts that we need to buy or whether all the deliveries have arrived. It's a season when we look forward to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. We prepare ourselves for his coming. But it's also the season where we prepare ourselves for his second coming, his return. Uh, His second coming not to be judged for the sins of the world, but to be the judge of the world. And so I've got three things that I want to talk to us about tonight. There, there's a little slide that's coming up uh, for those of you who, who like to follow along. Uh, I want to talk to us very quickly about the parable and then talk to us about the meaning of the parable and then we'll end with the lesson of the parable. And it'll help you a lot if you keep Matthew 25 open there in front of you. So let's start by looking at the parable. The kingdom of heaven, says Jesus in verse 1, will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to welcome the bridegroom. Uh, Ten virgins, ten young unmarried women, or ten bridesmaids, is perhaps a better way of putting it. Five are foolish, we're told, and five are wise. And what distinguishes the foolish from the wise is that they, wise, they take extra oil with their lamps to make sure that they would have enough. 
whereas when the foolish take their lamps, they take no oil with them. Now, to understand uh, this parable, we do need to know a little bit about kind of how weddings worked back in the first century. What was the etiquette involved? Uh, Wedding ceremonies themselves, it it seems, they they used to take place in the home, the family home of the bride. And as someone who has two daughters, I think that is an extraordinarily bad idea. I don't want to try and run a a wedding ceremony in in my house. But the wedding reception... Well, the wedding reception was was a huge affair. It was an elaborate, it was a a lavish banquet that sometimes would last up to a week. It was a major social occasion and traditionally it would happen in the home of the groom. And as someone who has two sons, I think that's an even worse idea than trying to run a a wedding ceremony in, in my house. And so what would happen is when the time for the banquet came, the bride and the groom would, of course, they would travel from the home of the the bride to the family home of the bride to the family home of the groom. And the road ahead of them would be lit up by lamps being carried by the bridal party. The bridesmaids would, you know, take their part in all of this by welcoming the bride and groom as they prepared to come to the banquet. And it would be a major breach of etiquette for anyone in the wedding party not to be there ready, not to be there ready with their, their lamp. It would almost be like kind of showing up to a, a black tie wedding, but instead of wearing the tuxedo or the, the beautiful dress, you're, you're wearing kind of T-shirt and thongs and board shorts. It just, it wouldn't have been done. It would have shown that you, you weren't an invited guest, but actually you were a, an uninvited gate crasher who had no part in the celebration. And verse 5 tells us why such careful preparation might have been required. Uh, The couple, although only the bridegroom is mentioned, are delayed. And the delay is so long, everyone even has time for a sleep. It's not a short delay. And then at midnight in verse 6, the shout goes up, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Bring out the lamps so that we might light their way. And now the problem becomes clear. Uh, All ten girls wake up and prepare to trim their lamps so their lights would be bright and clean. But the foolish girls who bought no extra oil realize that their oil is gone and there is no way for them to light the way for the celebration. The wise bridesmaids bought extra oil. They knew they needed to be ready when the bridegroom came, no matter how long it might take. They didn't want to be caught unprepared to welcome the groom and usher the happy couple into the banquet. And so now the foolish bridesmaids, they ask the wise bridesmaid, can we borrow some of your oil? And they're refused. Not because the wise bridesmaids are cruel, but because they don't have enough. If they give away their oil, then who will light the way for the wedding procession? And so the foolish girls, they go off to to buy some oil, which I think is is proof to me that this story did not take place in Perth because there's a shop open at midnight. But it's too late to make preparations. Whilst they're off trying to buy oil, whilst they're off trying to to, to make the very preparations that they should have already made, the groom arrives and the procession occurs without the foolish bridesmaids and the banquet begins. And so the girls return and they they knock on the door, but the door is shut. And the exclusion, it feels very harsh. And yet they they fail to do the very thing that they were chosen for. 
They were not ready to welcome the groom. And so now they will not be welcome at the banquet. And then Jesus ends by summing it up in verse 13 with a very simple phrase. He says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. But what are we supposed to make of a a parable like this? What does it actually mean? And I think there's three things that it teaches us in particular that it's important for us to know and be reminded of. The first one, and perhaps the most obvious one, that we need to be reminded of is this. Jesus is coming. Like the bridegroom, Jesus is coming. It's something that is very easy for us to forget. It's very easy for us to go around living our life and not remembering that there is a moment in the future when the Lord Jesus Christ will return. It's very easy for us to imagine that you know, every one of us will get to kind of live out our, our four score years and ten and that anything else would be an interruption to our very carefully curated lives. But Jesus' coming is not an interruption to our life, but is a reminder to us that our lives were never ours in the first place. There will be a day when Jesus returns as judge. And as Acts chapter 17 verse 30 reminds us, God has made this clear to everyone by raising him from the dead. As far as God goes, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in final judgment is the next thing in history to happen. It's the next thing on on his to-do list. Jesus has come, tick. Jesus has died for our sins, tick. Jesus has risen again, tick. What's next? Jesus' return in final judgment. But when Jesus does come, it will surprise us. That last line of the parable reminds us that we do not know the day or the hour. We do not know the time when Christ will come. It will surprise us all. We will all be caught unawares. I'm always amused. For Every once in a while, there'll, there'll be someone who will try and make a prediction about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they'll even put a day and a time on it. And I, often I, I kind of think of myself that, you know, if you think that that is when the Lord Jesus is going to return, then that's the one time I can be sure he's not going to return. No one knows the day. No one knows the hour. And even though the Lord Jesus Christ might seem like he is delayed in his coming, like the bridegroom in the parable, he is still coming. We must remember that with the the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And so the distance between his departure 2,000 years ago and today is to God nothing more than the distance for us between now and Tuesday. That's how short it really is. But I'm often rebuked by the, the, the pages of the New Testament. They lived their lives back then. They, they lived it so urgently. They lived it feeling and knowing that the Lord Jesus would return at a moment's notice. And it gave such motivation to their proclamation of the gospel. And yet, is that the way that I live? Is that the way that, that we live? 
And yet is not the return of the Lord Jesus 2,000 years closer now than it was then? And yet I've got to work so hard to get it into my head that Jesus could return at any moment. Jesus could return this week. He could return tomorrow. He could return even before I finish speaking. He does not work to our schedule, but we work to his. The Lord Jesus Christ comes, as he himself said, like a thief in the night when we least expect it. There is great uncertainty about when he will come. But there is no uncertainty about the fact that he will come. That's the first thing that I think this parable reminds us of. But the second thing this parable reminds us of is that actually the coming of the Lord Jesus is not a bad thing. The coming of the Lord Jesus is actually, it's a good thing. It's like the beginning of a great wedding banquet, the beginning of a great wedding feast. It's good news. It's good news for those who welcome him, for those who are ready. Uh, Jesus hasn't used a a story about a wedding by accident. He's used it very, very deliberately. A a wedding is often used in the Bible to describe uh, what the new age will be like and even what the relationship between Christ and his people will be like. And I think that can kind of come as a surprise to us. I think uh, for some of us, we, we sort of imagine that you know christianity is is a bit more of a sober affair it's a bit more of a dour affair you know that uh, christianity the message of christianity is you know be good and do the right thing and you know keep your nose clean stay out of trouble stay in line and you know above all else don't have too much fun and if that's what you think christianity is like then you might think that christianity is sort of a tough grind but it's the price you've got to pay if you're going to be one of god's people And if that's what you think, then the idea of Christ's coming being like a great wedding banquet will be perplexing, a bit of a mystery. But Jesus is saying, I am coming to bring joy. I am coming to bring happiness. I'm coming to bring delight. I'm coming to bring a a rich feast of foods for all people. I'm coming to destroy the shroud that eventually enfolds everyone. I'm coming to wipe the tears from all faces. And where my face looks, there the trees will sing and clap their hands. Where my feet treads, there the desert will bloom. Where I raise my royal scepter, there there will be celebration. Jesus is saying, I'm coming. And when I come, that's when the party will start. That's when the celebration will begin. My return will be like the beginning of a great party that you don't want to miss out on. And Jesus, he's chosen this parable very carefully. He's even, you know, has a subtle emphasis on the groom and the bride is kind of not talked about here because he wants us to think of all of these places in the Old Testament. Every one of those lines I just used is actually a reference from the Old Testament. He's subtly trying to remind us of all the places where he's spoken about how good it will be to be one of God's people and to live with him forever. Jesus' coming is a moment to look forward to and it will be like the beginning of a great wedding feast that no one wants to miss out on. But here's the thing, here's the third thing. Jesus' coming is for those who welcome him. There is an awful finality 
to verse 10. And the door was shut. Only the wise bridesmaids who were there, ready to welcome the groom with their lamps burning bright, only they entered into the wedding banquet. You see, there is a door, a door that leads to the kingdom of heaven. And it is the door of God's grace that is held open by the nail-scarred hands of the Lord Jesus. And for 2,000 years, that door has been open to the entire world, and it is still open today. And anyone, anytime, anywhere can go through that door and enter into the new life of salvation and the forgiveness of their sins and freedom and even immortality. And they can do so when they welcome Jesus like a bridegroom, as their Lord and as their Saviour. And that time is now. That door is open now. And yet what this parable reminds us of is that that door will not be open forever. The door will shut. God's patience will end. The time of salvation will pass. And the foolish girls missed out because they were not ready. And before we kind of feel sorry for them, we must remember, uh, they knew everything that the wise bridesmaids knew. They knew the bridegroom was coming. They knew he might be delayed. They knew they needed to be ready. And yet they did not do what they needed to do. The foolish girls were not ready when the time came. And it's not like they were the enemies of the bridegroom either. They were invited. They were even chosen. They had every opportunity And there was a moment, wasn't there? There was a moment when they were ready. You know, they they started so well. They started with lamps burning bright, but they did not last. They did not go the distance. Their light went out and their lamps grew cold. And at the one moment when it really mattered, they were not ready. They were not ready to welcome the groom. And so they were not welcome at the groom's banquet. So what's the lesson in all of this for us? What are we we supposed to learn? And I think there's one question this parable really asks all of us. And that is, are we ready? Are we ready to welcome the groom? Are we ready to welcome the Lord Jesus when he comes? Because he will come. And he will come at a time that we do not expect. And we don't want to miss out because it will be like a wedding banquet. And so we don't want to be unprepared. And yet here is the thing. If we want to be ready on that day, that day that we do not know, if we want to be ready on that day, then actually we need to be ready every day. That's the only alternative. You see, when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, it won't be good enough to say, oh, but I was, I was ready once. Once upon a time I was ready. Once upon a time my lamp was burning bright. You should have seen me when I was back at university. I was really ready then. I was part of the CU. I was even on the executive. It won't be enough to say that. It won't be enough to say, oh, have you, have you seen my parents? They're ready. They're really ready. 
It won't be enough to, to say, well, have you, have you seen who I'm married to? They're really ready. They're really great. Look at them. It won't be enough to say, but I was part of St. Matthew's. I was part of Uni Church. I was full of ready people. It won't be enough to say, have you seen the, the ministry that I was involved in? I, I, I got lots of other people ready. No, the bridegroom is delayed. But to those who are not ready, he will say, I do not know you. And so to the person who, who also says, well, look, when he comes, you know, I'll, I'll bluff my way in. I'll, I'll kind of, I'll convince him to let me in. I'll, I'll bargain or maybe I'll even kind of buy my way in when he comes. And I think that there are plenty of people who are like that in the world. I think there's plenty of people in our world today who do imagine that somehow when he does return, there'll still be time to somehow get things right. There'll still be time to, to, to bluff or bargain or buy our way in. And to them, this parable warns that, no, when Jesus returns, there is no more time. You cannot run down to the shops and buy the oil to relight the lamp that you've already let go out. It's already too late. The only way to be ready on that day is to be ready every day. We cannot put it off. I've met many people in life, and I'm sure many of you have as well. I, I've met many people in life who have said to me, you know, one day I will think about God. You know, one day I will think about spiritual things. I will think about what's going to happen to me after I die. But, you know, just kind of let me get my career on track first. Or, uh, you know, just uh, the, my favorite one at the moment I'm hearing from people is, you know, let, when I'm in retirement, I'll think about those sorts of things. And I'm sure you've even met people like I have who've said to you, you know what, I'm going to live my life without God, but you know, when I'm on my deathbed, that's when I'll convert. That's when I'll turn back to the Lord Jesus Christ. I like those people because they always think they're the first person in the world to have thought up that idea. But to them, this parable says, you are in for a very rude shock because he is coming. And you do not know when he is coming. He might be delayed, but when he comes to those who are not ready, he says, I do not know you. And the only way to be ready on that day is to be ready every day. And so I think the real question for us is not how do you get ready? Although if you are someone who wants to know that and needs to know that, I'd be more than happy to explain it to you. But I think for most of us, the real question is actually, how do you stay ready? How do you keep being ready day in, day out, throughout all the seasons of life that you have ahead of you? And that means that for many of us, there are issues in our Christian life of great importance and we need to deal with them and we need to deal with them now. In fact, we need to deal with them preferably before we even leave this building tonight. There can be matters of godliness and Christian living that we can be tempted to push into the pending tray and and, you know, it's very easy to let them stay there and gather dust. But this parable reminds us that there is no time. The bridegroom is delayed, but he could return at any moment. And that means I've got to get the issues out of the pending tray and I need to sort them out now. If there are things that I need to repent of, I need to repent of them now. If there's things I need to get sorted in my life, then I need to sort them out now. This dovetails very nicely, I think, with what we talked about last week. 
Last week, a lot of us were, were challenged with what 1 Timothy 6 had to say about money. I know I was. So what have you done about it? What have I done about it? Absolutely nothing. But there is no time. I need to do something about these things. I need good habits now. Good habits that will help me to keep that lamp burning throughout all the seasons of life. I need to work out how is it that I'm going to spend time regularly with God in his word and in prayer. How is it that I'm going to make sure that I I keep being part of a, a fellowship of God's people, a church full of people who are going to keep asking me that question, are you ready? I need to think about being part of a hub group, being part of a small group of other Christians. I can't think of a better way of being ready than to be part of a group of people that regularly reads the Bible, that regularly prays, that regularly holds each other accountable, that regularly asks the question, are you ready? Now, of course, these aren't the only ways. I'm not going to deny that. I just think they're the best ways. But what ways do you have in your life of making sure that you stay ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? What ways do you have in your life to make sure that you will persevere, that you will endure? What ways do you have in your life to make sure that you are wise and prepared and ready? Ready at a moment's notice for the return of our King ready with lamp burning bright. The only way to be ready on that day is to be ready every day. And so says Jesus, keep watch, be ready, for you do not know the hour or the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that right now the door is open, the door of salvation. We thank you that right now anyone can come into the kingdom when they welcome your son as a bridegroom, as a saviour and as a Lord. But Lord, we pray, not just that we would walk through that door, but Lord, we pray that you might keep our lamps burning bright. Keep us persevering, keep us ready, keep us trusting in you, keep us faithful to you, keep us humble, keep us repentant, keep us dealing with those issues that we know we need to deal with with you, Lord. Help us not to let that pending tray get dry and dusty, but help us to be willing to come before you regularly. Help us to be willing to encourage our brothers and sisters around us to do likewise so that we might keep asking each other that all-important question, are you ready? And Lord, help us to do all these things so that on that day when the Lord Jesus does return, we might not hear from his lips those terrible words, truly I tell you I do not know you. But instead, Lord, so that we might hear from his lips those wonderful and sweet words, words that we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant.